And for me, it used to be like my major goal was to be on tour with artists that I like. I wanted to open up for people and and meet people who I was and highly inspired by. And then like in 2013 to 2015, I did that. Like it was amazing. Like all the people I wanted, you know, personally to meet and to play in front of, um, I had that. You know, Ani and Patty Griffin and Edward McCain and. Uh, just like all the people that I had looked up to, I was somehow being, you know, invited to open for or seeking it out and happening. And then I was like, oh crap, now what? All right, you all, this episode of the Mic Drop Moment is a bit of a dream come true for me. So a little background. The date of release of this episode is January 27th, 2020. And last night on January 26th, 2020 was the Grammy Awards, the big music festival. And today, this is a very uh, musical episode. In fact, it's the first episode where I'm interviewing a musician and we'll actually get to play some of his tunes. That was Eric Hyman that you heard at the top there. And in 2004, when I first started listening to his music, it changed my life. At the time, I was still kind of dealing in a way, even though I had come out like five years before that, I was still dealing with all the stuff I had in my head around being gay and coming out and was I okay. And I started listening to his music and there was such honesty and realness in it that I became an instant fan. And now, 15 years later, uh, I got to interview him and that's pretty cool. He's opened for people like Ani DeFranco, Patty Griffin, Edwin McCain, he is on his, I think, getting ready to maybe put out his 11th album, but he's got 10 studio albums out there. He's toured around the country, up and down, probably all around North America, maybe the world, actually. I think we get into that. In this episode, we talk about music. We talk about creative writing. We talk about the power of writing and creating from your own truth and how to find your truth or the truth in other people when you want to talk about their stories. We go deep on when do you stop worrying about being good enough and how to look for the micro stories all around you. We also talk about finding new ways to encourage your creativity. Eric has done, uh, obviously as a musician, plays guitar, writes his own songs, but he also had a cooking show for a while called uh, called Trial and Eric. He is a stand-up comedian now these days, and he's always really innovative. I've also appreciated his approach as a business person who is also creative. So this one is a dream come true for me. I'm so excited to introduce you, if you haven't met him before, or to reintroduce you in a whole new way to, uh, I always feel it's weird when people on podcasts say this, but I'm going to say it, to my new friend and my old idol, Eric Hyman. So you have a story to tell, and you wonder how to own the stage and give that killer speech that will captivate the masses. You don't just want to speak to them. You want to transform your audience. Welcome to the Mic Drop Moment. Bold conversations about public speaking, storytelling, and business that give you real-world valuable takeaways so you can craft a speech, a story, a business, and a life that the world can't stop talking about. It's time to find your mic drop moment. Here is your host, Mike Ganino. When I was first introduced to you, it was as a singer, songwriter. I mean, in my world, you were a rock star. You were speaking truth, telling stories, and in a lot of ways, helping me find ways to deal with things that were going on for me. And now I've noticed lately that you've been doing stand-up as well. So while I do think in my head, what in the world can't Eric Hyman do? I'm curious, what's uh, what's going on for stand-up for you? That seems like a new and exciting, uh, exciting passion. So uh, what's happening with that? Uh, stand-up comedy to me is the ability to reach people in a very different way than I normally had and forcing me to be a very different kind of public speaker because it's not the same. It's the same idea of being inspired and telling your story, but it's a completely different way of telling your story in a medium that constantly changes. I I think when I first I've always listened to stand up comedy on when I was touring around for like, you know, 14 years I'm like in a car you can only listen to so much music in an 8 hour drive. 
And when you're alone, it feels good to hear somebody else's voice and not monotonous like audiobooks. Like audiobooks sometimes are like, and then she walked down the, you know what I mean? And it's just this monotonous voice. Yeah. And comedy is like the audience is there and it feels very live. And that feeling makes you feel, for me, it made me feel less alone. And, but I was listening to these comedians, whether they were Margaret Show or um, Jim Gaffigan or Suzanne Wessenhofer or Amy Schumer or, um, I mean, a slew of people that I listened to, um, Dusty Slay. Like, you would listen to these people and, and I started to be like, there's a timing and there's a, you know, people are just doing what I'm doing in between songs, telling stories and trying to get people to laugh. But, but it's the consistency of being a stand-up comic that is to me the, the true challenge. I can get up and tell a story and people laugh, but can I write a joke? Can I write a joke that's consistently hitting? I mean, I can do that with a song. I can make people feel this particular way, but take the guitar away and take, you know, the covers away. You know, it's it's not like don't and don't stop believing pretty much works in every situation, I'll be honest, except maybe oh, probably in hip hop situations, too, I bet. But um, but jokes, no. And I think where other people are like, hell no, would I ever do that? I saw it as like, could I do that? Could I write jokes? You know, I have this one joke that, which is my first real joke. I mean, do you mind if I share it? It's not yeah. dirty. No, I'd love for you to share. And we, you know what? We could put the E on here, so share away. Okay. So I, I live in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and of all places, Oklahoma. You know, there are some things that pop up where I'm like, what the heck is that? So on my way home from from different jobs, I would pass this place called the Christian Karate Academy. <laughs> and, and you're already laughing. I love it. Uh, and I'm like, what the hell is going on in there? And I, I thought, you know what? I mean, religion and karate, I'm sure there's some like overlapping whatever. And I'm like, and to go along with that, um, next door, I'm going to open the Jewish Karate Academy. Uh, and it's a no contact sport because if you know us, you know, but uh, it's just two people trying to beat each other down with guilt. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was like one of the first jokes I wrote where I was like, I could retell that and hear myself telling it to slow myself down in spots and speed it up and read an audience. Just with that one joke, I, I can like build upon. And it was exciting. I mean, when, when you're in front of a group of people who know nothing about you, um, because I think being a musician, you know, being a musician and being uh, on my 10th album and playing out and people are familiar with me in ways most times, you know, and, and my, or at least my name in places that I play or just having done it for so long, I feel like people kind of know what to expect from you. You know, but when, but when you get up to to do comedy and you're doing real jokes and it's there's no music and there's it's just not who you are in that moment, I really feel like people people become strangers again. It's like you have to win them back in a completely different way. Um, it's like all of your all of your tricks and all of your charm that you have from this other world are no longer effective in this new space. No, and and it almost sometimes it's it's a. Uh, What's the word? It's it's almost like protective in a way. When you're a musician and you're getting up there, I mean, I I would watch Ani do it, Ani DeFranco do it all the time, and she's I I love her and I think she's really funny just to begin with, and and I feel like she's like me in the way that like I I also think she gains a lot from stand up comedians in terms of you know timing and cadence and but I just think she's a naturally funny person on stage, but. Mm -hmm. For me, I mean, it's, it's almost deceiving. That's the word that I was going to use because people are there to hear you do something. And then if you, you know, you tell a joke or whatever, it's a bonus, you know, and, and, and you're catching them with your personality. And I think people laugh in those moments. You're like, oh, I could do stand-up comedy. But then when you strip away the world of music and all that's left is comedy, it's not the same at all. Like the the comedy world and the music world, you know, there are times where 
there are times in the music world where you're playing for other people. And if you rehearse enough, you know what I mean? You're, you're going to be fine. They're going to hear the words you already wrote. They're going to hear the chords you already did. As long as you perform it correctly and sing every note as you had written it, it's going to, nine times out of 10, it's going to work. You can do the same thing standing in front of comedians doing comedy, totally different ballgame. Like the amount of, as you do with public speaking, it's like public speaking on, on adrenaline, you know, it's, it's like this very hyper, uh, version of public speaking that like can be somewhat frightening and, and it's all in the moment, you know? So for instance, doing comedy in front of comedians, they're like watching your every, every time you open your mouth, you know, the timing the audience, you're reading people at the same exact time as you're talking. And to, and to do that, to be able to listen and, and look and feel in, in a moment while you're also talking <laughs> and like doing your bits is, is frightening. You know, it's, it's a completely different art form that I have so much, I don't think people realize how when they heckle people and whatnot, just how much respect I have for, for comedians. I started, um, I, I work with a club here in Tulsa called Duet, and it's a jazz club that uh, somehow became under the park that I work for. And I do all the programming for this, you know, square block park, full audio system. We have a restaurant on site. Um, we do a lot of community events, everything from uh, a soul fest to a rock fest, to a comedy fest uh, that happens off site, to uh, Pride in the Park, and you know a lot of runs. I mean, we've even done like the, you know, Stop the Violence or just different things. You know, the Women's March. All of that happens at our park. It's it's one of the coolest things I get to be a part of. Um, and this club somehow came under it because it's all owned by the same entity, the George Kaiser Family Foundation. And it's predominantly jazz, but they wanted to tap into comedy. And since I head up a lot of, the, you know, all the programming, uh, if you think about it, from from the the side of Guthrie Green, we put on this Blue Well Comedy Festival every year. And this is its, we're going into its seventh year. And we've had, <clears throat> this past year, we had Nicole Byer from Nailed It, who is one of the coolest people I've ever met. She's hilarious. <clears throat> she's, just, she's incredible. And we had Michelle Wolf. Last year, we had Tig Notaro and Maria Bamford. And we've had Fortune Feimster. We had Mateo Lane this, this year, actually. We've had just a lot of comedians. So they said, Eric, we want you to you know, work on this comedy night for the club. So I booked, I mean, this past two weeks, we had Sarah Schaefer, from MTV's Nikki and Sarah. She just had her, her Comedy Central Presents just went up. Mm. <clears throat> and that was last week. She's done, she's written for Jimmy Fallon. We had Dusty Slay, we had Pete Lee. I mean, Pete's on tour right now with She and Him opening, doing comedy. Like we had uh, Namish Patel, who was an SNL writer. Uh, we had Dusty Slay, who's just been you know, just an amazing community. We had Jackie Tone, who's on Glow, uh, and works a lot with her best friend, uh, Kristen Bell. So, I mean, there, we, we just had a banner year of, of these amazing comedians. We had John Rudnitsky from Home Again. Like, so I, I am emceeing, I host these events, and then I, it gives me this weird freedom to be able to, like, try comedy. Because I'm hosting, I can tell bits in between other people's jokes. Um, and I, it's a gift to be able to have that, but it's also just, I'm learning so much. Everything I'm telling you, I've learned from doing this club. Such an interesting thing. I was watching the American music awards the other day and I thought, oh, it'd be, it'd be kind of nerve wracking if you were performing in front of all of these other performers. But at the same time, as a musician, you get to create such a specific experience. What you're doing on stage could be so specific and so that but I couldn't imagine doing stand-up in front of other comedians. I I have an improv theater background and have dabbled into to improv as well and, and used it or dabbled into stand-up mm -hmm. and used it for 
seeing work and things like that. But I couldn't imagine improv in front of improvisers totally works. They're supportive music in front of musicians, I think works and they're supportive. Yeah. But stand up in front of comedians seems nerve wracking. Well, because it's it, it can always change. Like uh, for I just noticed that it, we have the same club. We do this once a month and sometimes it's a very volatile like audience i mean not volatile very like present i would say you know everybody's the vibe is already there before yeah. anybody's ever done comedy like you can feel that that weird like the mic is on you know like that that weird hiss of a mic being on and it, and it somehow like provides this underlying vibe of like okay cool we're like all on the same page but this last time with Sarah, I man, it was it was tough. Like I told, I I told a joke about seasonal depression, where I was just saying, like if you're really see, you know, it's that time of year for seasonal depression. But I have the cure for for if you've ever felt like no one is there for you and you're all alone, uh, and that is, uh, go out, get in your car, uh, drive to the nearest gym sign up for a membership and then immediately cancel that membership because those people will call you like family. <laughs> like they will, and they'll, and they'll start all their emails to you with like, we miss you. When are you coming back? You know, like it's, it's that jargon of like, or that, that style of like trying to create the sense of family and, and gyms are very much like that. You know, CrossFits are like that. It's just, it's kind of funny how that is. I guess the same would go if you try to like, you know, test drive a car or try to sell your house. People like hunt you down like crazy. Try to create these these things. And I told a, uh, another joke about white supremacy, <laughs> which <laughs> is like pushing it a little bit for me. Because <clears throat> I'm not, you have to also find out, like you're saying, like what kind of comedian do you want to be? Are you, and I don't know in your background with, with stand-up and improv, you know that there's different styles. Are you like the, are you the gross comedian? Are you the, you know, kind of pushing boundaries? I talk about, you know, real stuff. I go and I dig in deep, you know, like uh, Jenny, I'm trying to remember her last name, Slate, or Amy Schumer, people like that, mm -hmm. you know, or are you Jim Gaffigan? Where you're just talking or in Seinfeld, you're like, oh, isn't it weird that people do this? It's do like observational comedy. Exactly. And, you know, and there's every anything and everything in between. And you have to really figure out like, what do I want to do or what won't I do? Yeah. You know, so I I'm trying to test those boundaries now. And and it's I told this white supremacy joke about um how I I don't know. I'm kind of obsessed with watching documentaries about white supremacists because I'm Jewish and gay, and I and I I feel like I kind of want to know what what it is they don't like about me, mm -hmm. as if I'm going to change that in some, some way, like it's my cooking. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I always notice in the middle of those documentaries, there's always like a like a band, like somehow there's always like a a scene where people are moshing around, like there's a scene in American History X like that, you know, where and then some big shaved head dude is screaming and it's always like you know metal basically or punk music and i'm like where where are the white supremacist singer songwriters like is that a thing and like and if so like where's my where's my white power ballad so i mean i'm trying to tell jokes like that and figuring out like is that too far for me is that not i mean you're always trying to figure out what's going on. And, and I don't know, this gig lately has given me the opportunity to kind of figure that out in a way that music didn't do that for me. Yeah, because do you find that from, do you find that, so on the musical side, a lot of your songs feel like they come from either something you've experienced or something you've seen happen. But for for the comedy, do you find it coming from the same place or are you seeking out things that you don't know it? know as much about maybe uh i think it it comes from this it's the same kind of inspiration but i guess it's instead it's like grabbing a piece of paper and a pen versus grabbing a guitar or a piano mm -hmm. you know it's like you i think it's also different kinds of inspiration like do i want to do i want to write a song about <laughs> that there's you know why aren't there 
white supremacist singer songwriters and what would that look like or or do i want to tell a joke about it yeah you know do i want to write a funny song about seasonal depression or do i want to tell a joke about it and having the mediums to be able to do it you know you i guess i could do both but like i kind of pick and choose based on what what kind of in, what what is the inspiration if i'm going oh that's funny or like oh that that's meaningful and serious and heartfelt you know there are comedians like chris gethart who's like both mm-hmm. you know where where it feels just as much as a ted talk as it does a comedy show um but i but again like i i comedy i, I don't even call myself a comedian but like i I want to pursue it to a point where maybe in the future I would. I just I'm still trying to figure out what the difference is from music to comedy because I don't really feel like I have anybody I, I don't know anybody to look at who's done that. Well, it seems it seems interesting too. So when you're writing when you're writing a song, do you sit down with guitar and words just kind of flutter? What is your process for putting a song together? My process can, it it ranges. It ranges (laughs) in probably a few different ways. One is I have a melody where where I'm like, na, 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 like that. And if it catches in my head and and I'm doing it often, I'm like, okay, this is something. Or I will... I will be in, impacted by somebody else's story in a way that like, like Malala Yousafzai, like I was just so impacted in the early stages of hearing her story when she, it was first coming out about her that like, I thought, could I write a song? Should I write a song about this person? Like, am I overstepping? Am I, do I feel like I know enough to talk about this person? Am I going to get anybody? Is there any backlash to, you know what I mean? Like you kind of weigh a lot of that. That's another mm-hmm. avenue of, trying to write a song or I just sit at the piano and, and like, you know, the, the chords and the, the chords and the words and the theme and the melody all kind of glue themselves together in that moment. And then I'm just tweaking it. I mean, it's, it's all different kinds. Like I remember I'm trying to pick songs out. Red hot tears was a song. I, I basically just sat at the piano and wrote, uh, Malala was something that I like constructed. Um, I had a song called Bartender that I wrote with my friend Cass, and that was like a constructed, it's raining outside, let's sit and write a song. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, they come from all different places, but the ones that mean the most to me are the ones that, like I on Contenders, there's a song called Another, and that was like a song that kind of fell out of me. You know, I'm playing on the chords, I'm hearing the melody, I sing something, and, and the minute it comes out of my my mouth, just like I told you with learning how to hear your own voice, mm-hmm. you start to, like I'm sure you do as a creative person, is editing. It's like you you start to go, okay, there's something here. Okay, there's nothing here. Like, <laughs> oh, I've done this a million times and I'm just circling the same idea. So you you're constantly... I don't know how to say it other than like in a gross way, but like you're constantly like throwing up and then looking to see what you ate the night before. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. very backwards, but like even words will pop out of me and phrases and lines. And I'm like, what the hell am I talking about? And then it, then you put it next to a few other words in context and you're like, oh, this makes sense. Well, it's, it's, interesting process of learning not to i have this thing that i say all the time of don't backspace yourself meaning sometimes when you're in a creative process the editing can actually be dangerous at that point because i wrote a book and and i remember sitting down and thinking okay i'm going to write you know 100 pages so i'd write 100 pages or i'd write 10 pages and then i would delete 12 pages and it's like well i wrote 10 and i deleted 12 how did that work and one of the things i started to do was just to say keep putting it out there this point right now might just be your get it out of your head mode and later you can figure out how to piece it together or whether none of it works and sometimes that process of uh you know you were talking about editing yourself sometimes it happens for me it happens too early and i'm supposed to be creating and all i keep doing is tearing it down 
Yeah, I, I think joke writing has become like starting all over. Where, <laughs> where, like, when you when you have maybe it's putting yourself into places that are uncomfortable, and I feel like then you start to do that less. Like when you when you feel like you're kind of it's you're an amateur again or you're beginning something. I feel like to me, comedy versus music is just like what you're saying. Like I'll something will pop out of my voice and I'm already putting it in a box. Like it goes in this. I'm already labeling it crap, good, this, that. Um, but with comedy, it's like I don't know. I I don't have that feeling immediately of like what is this. So I'm I write everything down. And then, and I still kind of do that with, with music where I like my voice notes on my phone are just like full <laughs> because I think of something, I put it down and then I walk away and then maybe I'm at, you know, at the gym or I'm like, you know, in my car or I'm somewhere and I can kind of go through them and hear them as, a, as like a, a fresh listener all of a sudden and be like, oh, that was just me screwing around or like, oh, like. I even in the moment, I didn't realize that that there was a hook to what I was singing. So I, I do agree with you that like in that creative moment, sometimes just, you know, putting it out there, putting it down at least. And then walking away from it, but putting it in a medium that you can revisit. Whether that's the next day or a week, whatever it can take to to clear your head. I have a friend, my one of my friends. She's like one of the most talented singer songwriters I know, and I'm always raving about her. Her name's Nomaly Brennett, um, and she's one of my favorite singer song. I love the way she writes. I love her attack. She produces all her stuff. She's just amazing. And me and her have a joke about like um, how everything when you're on a coffee high is like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> Like it's Nirvana, like everything you do after drinking a, like a, a cup of coffee with a lot of caffeine is just like, oh, I'm creative and I'm writing and this is amazing. And like, oh, like, and then, and then you kind of crash and then you revisit, <laughs> you revisit what you've created in those moments and you're like, ugh. sometimes the lesson to me is, is that feeling of being on that coffee high when I'm not on that coffee high and those are the moments sometimes where I'm like, oh, wow, I'm onto something because I'm having this coffee high feeling without having any coffee. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a very strange feeling. But but I, I think a lot of people, I don't know a lot, but like many people I know suffer from the, oh, I just had caffeine and like everything I'm doing is amazing. Yeah, there's there's this uh, there's this. I mean, I guess it is an actual like biological high too, because you've, you're literally, your body is spending, but it's interesting how that can unlock you to be willing to be more creative or to be willing to be more, because sometimes we have to just believe in our stuff, even if we're like, I don't know if it's good yet, but I need to believe in it and put it out there so I can learn if it's good. And it sounds like that's what you're saying about, about comedy and about standup. Did you, you know, you've been one of the most consistent I think part of, part of your career has been you're you're really consistent. You put out so many great albums. You've been doing it over and over. You keep showing up. You keep having a voice. Oh, and was there a period for you with music where you went through the same thing that you're going through right now with stand-up comedy where you looked at it and said, I don't even know if this is good. I'm just going to put it out there in the world and see? Music, well, yeah, music started out like that. Uh, just like comedy kind of does it but it but with music it was like you you have some security in knowing what you believe like you're saying you believe in what you're doing you believe in the mission of what you're putting out there and you really are behind it and then there's other times where like you're throwing stones out into the world hoping that somebody picks it up um but i right now i'm kind of going through that with music you know, just as much as I'm going through it with comedy, I've, you know, there's a lot of things that, that you want to say when you're young and then you put out your first album and a lot of that's carried over and your second album and your third, I'm on album like 10, like, like it's, it's, it's to a point where I, I you're like, I feel like I've said what I wanted to say <laughs> and, and I've done like, I've, I've, you know, oh, it'd be fun to do a country song. Oh, it'd be fun to do this song. Oh, it'd be fun to do that song. Well, like, you know, over 200 in 50 songs later, you know, I've, I've done a lot of that. 
you know, like you don't want to become a broken record of yourself and you want people to feel like there's something fresh and new to what you're doing just as much as you want to keep putting out music. It's funny. I was telling somebody like, you know, what, what keeps you motivated? Like, what are your goals right now? And for me, it used to be like my major goal was to be on tour with artists that I like. I wanted to open up for people and and meet people who I was in, highly inspired by. And then like in 2013 to 2015, I did that. Like it was amazing. Like all the people I wanted, you know, personally to meet and to play in front of, um, I had that. You know, Ani and Patty Griffin and Edward McCain and uh just like all the people that i had looked up to i was somehow being you know invited to open for or seeking it out and happening and then i was like oh crap now what <laughs> like i got all the validation that i was seeking out into the world which was very motivating to me you know growing up this to like crave that validation of like oh i want somebody who i who i love to turn around and be like you know wow that was really cool and I got that. And then I, then I didn't know what the hell to do. And I, then I decided, all right, I'm going to work part-time like, and something else. So I started working for a lighting company in town and, and doing really well at it, you know, selling uh, events and being there and, you know, getting on ladders and putting up lights and just working, you know, with my hands in a very different creative way. And that led to me getting the job that I have now working for the park and putting on events in big ways. You know, and it's uh, and and at the same time, like trying to figure out what to do with music and still putting out albums in this time period. I put out playing cards while I was with the lighting company and I put out contenders now while working for Guthrie Green. And, you know, it's just now the goal is it feels like it's just keep doing it. You know, I used to tell people like, what's, you know, someone would come up to me and say, what's your do you have any advice? And the only thing I could think of was like, I can't tell you what to do and how to do it and, and where to go and who to call and all that stuff that you have the same reaction that I got or better or worse. All I can say is the only thing that I see that makes people successful is to just keep doing it. Mm. So. And it's, it seems like, so, so you were talking about that with, with another one of the it was the it was the kind of lead song for contenders correct yes and so that came to you and at the time were you thinking of writing an album or no. where were you at an album creation at the moment when that came to you and you thought oh this might be something it kind of it, you know you said it fell out of you so how did you then say wait i need to keep doing this uh to create an album because that the writing style of that song and like the hook of it where it's like, so don't you run from me right now. singing very well at the moment but get get you the point is i hadn't written anything like that that sounded that that fluid and poppy and and held notes out longer than i normally do because i i have asthma pretty bad so i i tend to <laughs> i tend to like chop my words off because i'm you know gasping for air so <laughs> so i don't know why but like stretching out my notes in ways and and like being able to sing something and come up with a different type of of hook made me feel like oh like this doesn't sound like what i've done and that's how it was with red hot tears like oh this doesn't sound like what i normally do so i want to go down this road and that's really kind of how that album came together and so then do you go back to those do you go back to those voice notes and say okay is there anything in here that's that's worth exploring or are you sitting down like what's your process at that moment where you decide hold on there might be this might be the next collection I, I literally just sitting down and like going through them and then just being like delete 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 
I like this. I like that. Can I glue these two things together? You know, what's the message of this? Like, what am I saying? You know, I've, I've really, another was one of those tunes where like, like you were saying with creative writing is like, I sit down and I have a thought, like, you know, I sing, so don't you run from me right now. And then I start to go like, all right, what's this song about, you know, and, and what am I, what am I saying? What am I putting together? And when you, when you try to put a cage around it, sometimes it either works because it's like, you've somehow like the anarchy of it is over. Um, but I think with that song, I kind of learned to embrace the anarchy of like, you know what, I'm just going to let the song be what it is. Like, I'm going to say these words, I'm going to say what comes to mind. I'm I'm not going to try to like, edit it. So it like, means something, you know, a friend of mine, Cass, who used to manage me, and is still one of my best friends to this day, um, used to tease me because like, I would try to do that with things. And she would be like, ballpark meaning like i know what you're trying to say but you're not saying it and she would like she would tease me sometimes about it and and i like it made sense like when you try so hard um to like take something that comes out of your mouth and turn it into like a theme or a story or and it doesn't feel natural it you're not even you're not even close you know to what you're trying to do and you're actually steering yourself it's, away from it. And it feels like that's where kind of even thinking improvisationally in songwriting helps of saying, maybe this isn't the idea, but maybe this is the idea that leads to the idea. Yeah. And I've had that happen too. It's, it's anytime you're dealing with your brain and art and where you're, I mean, where you're at in life also has so much to do with your art. Like, who are you listening to? Like, what are you, who are your, what are your goals? Who are you? who are you trying to to connect with like all of that in those moments i mean that's why when i go and listen to some of this stuff because i forgot the words because i'm hitting that point now i'm like what somebody wants to hear a tune and i'm like oh crap i need to study this like i, I forgot what i said um that i i have to like go back in my mind and and, and like think oh crap where was i when i wrote this and all of that kind of comes flooding back. And then I think, oh, I was listening to a lot of Etta James. Or like, oh, I was listening to a lot of Black Sabbath. Or like, oh, like, you know, things find their way into your music um, and where you're at in life and who you're like, oh, this is when I was dating this person or this is when I didn't know who I was and this is when I lived here or there. And all of that, I think, affects everything. I mean, I've had recordings be affected by, you know, I, I can't afford to work with this person. So I'll work with this person or like, I can't, this person only has this many hours left in the session. And like, now I just need to like glue it together. Like you're, you know, it's hard to go from, from the idea to the, um, to the end. And I think maybe that's what draws me so much to comedy is comedy writing as as like a, a format and a joke? I mean, if I tell the joke to you here, it's just as impactful as I'm telling you on a microphone and somebody picks it up on their phone. But music is so layered, you know, that like from my idea of what I want it to be to what it ends up being, there's like, there's... I'm I'm going through so many towns and villages. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and it's even interesting for me. So I've I first found you in like 2003 or something and I heard I heard man you had in mind and I thought, wow, this is not only my for me personally my daddy issue song, but like probably for a lot of people. And so I, so I've been listening to you since I think 2003 and when you did a record called Out With The Old, which was like piano versions of, of <laughs> yeah. it was kind of like a greatest album, right? Yes. And that, a lot of those songs played that way also feel so different. Whereas again, like you said, a joke told to one person or to like a house party or on stage at, you know, the, the Chicago theater, it, it would feel the same, but those songs 
played differently, produced differently, mixed differently, really can change the way someone feels. Have you had a favorite instance of your own where you said, wow, this song to me says something different today than it did before of your own work? Oh, yeah. I mean, I had a song called Protest Song that I wrote about. I mean, because I'm writing in real time. Like, I was writing that around, you know, Prop 8 and, like, just that whole time of of trying to get rights and playing all these pride festivals and and you know don't don't ask don't tell you know was still in in play and and all these things and in, in history had happened that that it like it, it, i don't know i just had a point where then we got all over <laughs> then we got those rights and and that song to me i have a trouble connecting with it now um, I'm getting it's sadly with the political way the world is going right now. Everything seems to be the clock seems to be turning backwards. So maybe that song will have a lot of relevance again, sadly. Um, but then, but like, you know, marriage happened and, and military and all this stuff. So it's like, you write this protest song against all this stuff and then it happens. It's like, do we need this song anymore? You know, that was one instance, uh, a song changed for me once when, I put out this song called What I Can Give on my album Everywhere All at Once. And it's a song, it was a song for my mother-in-law who was alive at the time. She passed away sadly months after. I wrote this for her because of uh, she passed away from breast cancer. But I mean, I wrote this song because I wanted to say something to her in music. And I wanted to let her know that I was there for her. Um, but I didn't want it to seem like like some kind of, oh, I wrote you this epic song and like, just like as if it was like, you know, I will always love you or or something like huge. Um, I just wanted to say it pretty simply and, and very down to earth. And it's like, this is, I don't know, I don't know what you need, but this is what I can give. If all I can give you is this song to let you know that I care about you, this is what I have. This is what I have to give. And I, and I hope and I hope you can do something with this. Well, I wish I had a song to sing for you To gather the strength that each day must take To go through what you do, what you do So many things that we take for granted too easily one day it is, remind us the courage it takes Not to quit, not to quit I could offer 10,000 tears A field of white daffodils With these things, what could you do? But this is what I can give to you But this is what I can give to you May not be much you've been through enough Just know it's me You have touched take to go through what you do what you do um she passed away they played it at her funeral i bawled my eyes out louder than anybody in that place because it just it was such a twist and then maybe a year or so later i was playing at this place called Howlin' mouths in jackson mississippi and these two women came up to me at the event um beforehand i'm like oh my god we love your music thank you so much for being here um will you play our song and i was like your song they're like yeah like you know one of your songs 
like is is the song that that we consider our song and i'm thinking to myself like is it only is it all the love songs that i think i write or things along the love song realm and they were like no it's what i can give and i was like what like i didn't say i almost wanted to yell that in front of them but i didn't but i was like wait a minute that can't be your song because that song's about you know sandy uh but then i stopped myself and i was like you know what this could be their song you know this could like why can't it be their song it's not how and i intended things to be and it and things have changed but you know how how it's interpreted in a different way let alone how it's recorded or how it's delivered even delivered in the same way it can totally switch so I don't know. I think that's the joy of music versus like comedy. You know, con they both have their like their pros and cons when it comes to history. Some jokes probably don't work anymore because of the way the world is or things that have changed or, you know, political correctness or sensitivity. And some songs don't work anymore because times have changed. When a joke is delivered, it is usually so specific that it really can only be about that instance. And maybe you have an uncle you think of, or maybe you think, oh, yeah, I've, I've thought of that or I haven't. But one of the things that seems different with music is that we kind of own it. Like, we can own the song that's going on. We can own the words that someone's saying. And, and it, it's an interesting way. I've, I've watched that happen where somebody takes it and it's like, oh, this is mine because I can map this to my exact experience in a way that I don't think you can always with a joke. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you on that one. Like jokes, I can listen. I I'm maybe I'm different, but like I can listen to a joke over and over and over again <laughs> in the car because I kind of know what's, what's coming and I like the punchline and I'm trying to find the art in it. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn it and study it. Whereas the average listener is like, jokes come in your in one ear and out the other and it's more about looking at a person as their personality like you know jenny slate had that new netflix special and it's just it's amazing because it's so her like her personality and her jokes like somebody couldn't get up there and do her jokes because it just it wouldn't be it unless they are identical to her they don't really fit so like comedians are so their personalities are so tied to what they do. And I guess the same can be said for music, but then I can cover somebody else's music and, and have just as much success with it versus trying to tell somebody's joke and not being able to deliver it the same way because I'm not that person. Like her nervous, Jenny's like nervous laughter and her, you know, self-effacing remarks. If I'm if I don't come off like that and I try to tell one of her jokes, it it probably won't work. But the same but I can play Dolly Parton songs and not have anything to do with her personality. You know what I mean? There's like I think there's a lot of differences in both being like public speaking coming at it from two different directions or two different art styles. Yeah, there's an interesting thing with public speaking where if you're if you're on stage and you're a great storyteller, the audience can feel like they're in that story, much like a song. They could take it and say, I've had that happen to me where people say, oh, you were telling that story about your grandma and it made me think of this situation. And I was like, that's not what that story was about at all. But that's what it felt like to yeah. you. So that matters. And songs are like that versus the places in my in my speeches or the speeches I've worked on where there's a joke. It works because you can look at it and say, oh, that's funny but you don't necessarily own it in the same way you do a song. And it's, it's interesting. You're, you're kind of, I think among your fans, you're, you're very uh, famous for the covers people love. That's one of the surprises of, of going to one of your shows was what are the covers going to be on this? Is there, when you're looking at a cover, is there a litmus test? Is it that it's current and interesting? Is that it tells a specific story? How do you, how do you choose what you're going to cover and what matters and what's relevant now in that same way, like what you're going to put on. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I had that more so, you know, a few years back than I do necessarily now because I'm just in a different headspace. But uh, I always looked at covers, you know, some people just to give me crap where, you know, there are places where they're like, don't play covers. 
But I always thought it was so interesting. You're right. Like with other artists when it's like, I remember I was sitting in a car once with uh, Fred Schneider from the B-52s and I was driving him around Tulsa because we had a friend in common who said, hey, can you help me out and kind of entertain Fred for a little bit? And I was like, yeah, okay. So, <laughs> you know, taking him all around and sweet guy. But it was it was funny because that was something that I, I was always about was like, what what would this person cover? And like, so I remember I turned to Fred at one point and I'm like, you know, the B-52s are so much stylistically different than so many things like they're so unique to me in their sound and even just having that many vocalists and him and his the way that he talks in his songs i'm like i couldn't just imagine them you know doing don't stop believing so i was like trying to think of like so i turned to him and i said you know what do you guys cover anything like what would you cover and he turned to me, he's like, we covered something on one of our albums. And uh, I said, what? And he like turned to me in his signature voice. And he was like, downtown. And he, But at the same time, it's like, you don't hear, they don't cover anything, you know, because yeah. they're so uniquely them that something has to be pushed through that filter in a way that kind of showcases them. Um, but for me, covers are like jazz. Like it's the same songs over and over again, but, but interpreted differently. Um, that's how I always viewed doing covers. So I embraced it, you know, when anybody would knock me for doing so many, I would just knock them back for not doing enough. And, but I would pick a cover and if I couldn't make it my own, I wouldn't even touch it. You know, like there's so many artists that if you said to me, why don't you play a Bonnie Raitt song? Why don't you play a Beth Hart song? And I'm like, I can't like, I can't do it without like, I'm just imitating them. I'm imitating. Mm -hmm. the, I, I don't know how to, how to do anything with, to me, it's perfect. To me, it's, it's a perfect representation of what I would even do. Like, I, I'm not even going to bother with it. Um, Cause I can't, I, everybody's just going to be annoyed that I'm doing like my impersonation of Bonnie Raitt. So, but when it came to other things that weren't necessarily like, my own voice like you know black sabbath and dolly parton and you know pop tunes you know queen you know there were opportunities for me to kind of swing it in a way that i thought would be fresh and if i felt like it was fresh to me and fun to do i thought it'd be fresh and fun for people to hear um like just recently that jolene uh, the heartstrings thing that Dolly Parton just did where she was trying to do this Jolene challenge. I had done a cover of Jolene a long time ago that I felt like I kind of made my own um, and people liked it. So yeah, I put that up, but that was one song that I, I heard and I'm like, there is no way I can, I can cover that song in that same way. Like there's no way, like that's just not my style. That's not my voice. Like, I'm going to have to adhere it to me in some way. And some of those songs come from me hearing something and going, how would I do that? But I'll be honest, a lot of them are come from people asking me to do them, either for a wedding mm -hmm. or for an event. Like, we just did an entire show of Prince, and that's not my, that's not my style at all. Um, but I, I saw the challenge of it as like, what would I sound like singing Purple Rain? You know, Little Red Corvette. You know, I'm definitely not going to sound like him. Um, and my playing is not his style. So let's see what that does sound like. You know, and then they become part of my repertoire because, you know, I, I feel like, oh, I've nailed this. Like, I, I know it now by heart and I could perform this alone if I had to. Well, it becomes a way of, of I think it's so many of those songs. I mean, you covered... Uh, you covered Sugarland's Stay in 2009. You did, I remember, Umbrella yeah. from Rihanna at the time. And it feels like, like we were talking about earlier, you've put on an outfit and it feels different. And it's like, what is wearing this like? It's actually, um, Kelly Clarkson is very similar right now on her show. She does these Kellyoke kind of covers. Yeah. And it's basically requests from the audience. So someone in the audience that day made the request to hear that song. And I think when you hear it, it never sounds like, a copycat version of the original because I think it just doesn't work the same way with her voice. And I, and you're very much like that too, of what, 
what does Purple Rain feel like when I put it on? It's a different experience. Yeah, and I I mean, asking Kelly Clarkson to sing Slipknot, you know, it's like that point of like, there are things I'm sure she's like, I'm out. You know, other <laughs> other things where you're like, oh, I can I can touch this, but like, I, I'm definitely not, like for her to sing a John Legend song, she's not John Legend. Her voice doesn't operate like John Legend. You know, her, her tone, her everything is like just different. Um, so it's, it's gonna, it has to be different. It can't be the same. I chose a lot of songs by females because I felt like it has to be different. Already I'm changing your view of it. You know, mm -hmm. singing Hearts Alone by me is not going to sound anything like theirs because I'm not, I'm not a woman. You know, I have, and I have a different breathing technique. I have, I'm not Anne or Nancy, you know, there's just going to be differences. And then if I push myself through that or put their song in my filter and I feel like it came out worth hearing, then I'm going to play it out and, and then I'll start testing it. But, you know, it's funny how in creative writing, the first judge of anything is yourself, you know, and, and I wonder sometimes of, of, you know, we always question, am I a good judge of my own art? You know, I have people around me. I had my, my best friend Cass and, you know, my husband and like people that, you know, you start playing these things for them in very raw forms and say, what do you think of this? I mean, and you got to trust the people around you. And I mean, there's, there's a lot up to figure out, but like from a creative writing standpoint, it is interesting how you are you are the first field that it hits and what you do with it is where it ends up later that's so true that's so true so i want to uh i want to respect your time is there anything that i didn't ask you that you want to talk about no i mean i i love what you do i, I appreciate you asking me to be a part of this i mean creative writing and and teaching people to find their voice and public speaking has to be one of the coolest gifts to be able to give to people. I mean, I think it's, it's great what you're doing. And, and I don't know, I, I think I suffered a long time from why would I tell my story? Who cares what I have to say? You know, why am I special? Like, why, why am I any different than anybody else? Like everybody thinks this way or everybody has these thoughts or everybody you know, does this. And then a friend of mine had pulled me aside when I said, you know, she's like, why don't you record some of your songs? And I'm like, who cares? And she's like, you never know who cares. You just put it out there to see who cares, you know? And then I started seeing music and now I see it like comedy is if you think of it as just the end of the road, once the song is done or the joke is done, I don't know how to do that. I feel like all I'm doing in music and in comedy is just starting the discussion. You know, I'm, I'm putting it out there, how I feel about something, hoping I get something back, you know, and, and I get that from comedy and I get that from music is that, you know, I, you know, I talk about uh, seasonal depression and somebody afterwards is like, you know, that was really funny because I feel like I, you know, I go through that and, and, you know, I, I've I've seen a lot of gyms, you know, have that kind of cadence with their emails or, you know, I heard that song about your dad and I have all these issues with my dad and like, you know, they're, they're conversation starters. And I think giving somebody the opportunity to find a way to put their voice out there, they'll end up getting a lot more back than sometimes I feel they even give. That's awesome. I think it's true. I think it's also... We sometimes, it, it's funny, I'll, I'll hear that a lot too, where people come and say, oh, this, you know, my because my mom was a teen mom. And so I do this little bit at the end of my speech where I'll talk about my bio and somebody will come and say, either I'm a, I was a teen mom or my mom was a teen mom or my sister's a teen mom, or they'll talk about going to college or dropping out of college or doing improv or doing all of these things. And sometimes it's just that little bit of someone else showing their story that we need oh, yeah. to feel comfortable owning our own story. Well, I, I think like you go, like you, especially doing your, you know, going out and talking and, and teaching. And then afterwards you're like done. And then nobody comes up to you. 
Like that, you know what I mean? Whether with comedy, whether it, you know, music, whether it's public speaking and just telling stories, like, I, I think that that to me is the scariest thing. Oh, I just got off mm -hmm. stage and nobody has anything to say. Like, I just made a speech and like people just clapped and got got up and walked out. You know, we live in such a, a world now with Facebook and Instagram and all these connections and all this chatter and all of this back and forth. I mean, there's ways, many times ways to embrace it where it's like, oh, thank God. We're all just throwing, we're throwing pictures of food out, hoping somebody says, oh, it looks good. You know what I mean? Like, I think our, our society is now so trained in, in hoping for a response that like to be able to, you know, tell your story and, and hope that somebody, you know, throws something back at you is is why we do it. I, I hope that, I mean, that's why I do it. And that's a wrap on my conversation with the man who does it all. He writes songs, he performs songs, he cooks, he hosts, he stand-up comedians. And uh, if you're interested in checking out more about Eric, you can check him out on Facebook at Eric Heim Music. You can also go anywhere where music is sold and find all of his records. I love the latest one, Contenders, which includes some of the songs you heard in this episode. And we're doing something different that we've never done before. Uh, as we head out to the outro here, I'm just going to play the full track for you of the song we were talking about uh, in the beginning. So the song, Another. We're going to rock our way out of this episode with Eric Hyman. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you love the show, please go subscribe, leave a review. We love you. Here is Eric Hyman with another.
this episode has ended, but your journey doesn't have to. Head on over to MikeTheNino.com. Access all the resources and links that Mike and his guests shared today and keep on crafting your own story. That's MikeTheNino.com. Your audience is waiting. Isn't it time to find your hashtag mic drop moment? 